0: Hey, this is Jim Fleming, and this is the Stuart Heights Fleming Sunday School Class podcast. Here, you will find recordings of our weekly Sunday School class, as well as a few other teaching opportunities I get at my church. Now, this podcast is not intended to replace your Bible study, to replace your weekly church attendance, or to be your sole source of spiritual instruction. Go to church for that. This podcast is for members of my class who happen to miss a week here or there and don't want to fall behind. But before you listen to this episode, you may want to go to teachingsjim 314com and download student or teacher handouts, as well as any PowerPoints, so you can follow along visually and see what we saw in class, as well as take some notes. Thanks for listening. Come back often, and feel free to add this podcast to your favorite podcast app. I'd recommend Overcast. Now, let's get to this week's lesson well good morning everybody i have to say and i i don't comment on this nearly as often as i should but this room smells amazing this morning so whomever is responsible for uh, And this is a rare one, but making me want to set Romans aside and go eat for a few minutes is uh, hats off to you. And and at the same time, uh, for those of you that are not aware, we have several ladies who have just said, we are going to feed our class every single week, and they just make it happen. So huge thank you to those of you who do that. Um, Yes, very much so. Um, Faithfulness is often overlooked and uh, wildly appreciated. So thank you for that. So we are in Romans again today, Uh, this is week 36 of our series, and uh, believe it or not, there is a winding down of sorts that is going to start taking place soon, Um, probably in about five or six weeks, and I am excited as we move through and begin to start to finish up this beautiful book. So uh, today we're in Romans chapter 13, I'll start reading in Romans chapter 12 as we have uh, moved through the book. Uh, This section that we're in today, Romans 12 through 15, 13, is the the so what kind of section of Romans. Um, And again, I I think I've mentioned this before to some of you, maybe in private, but um, it becomes more and more challenging when you get into these later chapters for me to come up with some really insightful application and personalization, because Paul just strips away all the other stuff and makes it very, very plain. Uh, So he's doing uh, what I consider my job uh, for me. So if you see in the application and the personalization that I have blatantly plagiarized Paul, it is because he has made it very plain. So we're just going to go with that. Uh, Two other things before I read today's text. Um, The... And I didn't know exactly where to put this in the lesson, so I'm just going to do it now. But the, uh, there, are, there are dramatic positives and there are a few negatives to teaching uh, all the way straight through a book of the Bible. Uh, there are ways to do this so that you exclude and ignore everything else that the Bible says on certain topics. And you can get off and get sideways on things. Paul talks about a topic today that is not the Bible's full teaching on a topic. So we're going to reference a couple other things as we go through. Um, but as, if, you, if you listen for today's text, you could take the literal words that he says and what he actually means and take that to an extreme and end up in a very bad spot practically living this out. So uh, Miss Amy had a great quote in her um, commentary. Uh, And it was a lot of the confusion. I'm going to paraphrase it here. Uh, Actually, I found it. Many of the difficulties found in this chapter result from what is read into it rather than from what it actually teaches. A great line from Hughes that we have to make sure that we're looking at the whole of Scripture, especially when we look at topics as complex as the one we're going to look at today. Uh, So that's one. And then uh, two... Paul doesn't make a distinction between types of government. He doesn't make a distinction and say this type is good, this type is bad. Um, His assumption, I believe, is that this applies to government in general. Now, I do want to pause for a second and somebody described to me the government that Paul was under when he wrote this letter. So he was under the what government? The Roman government. All right. So anybody know who the emperor was at this time? Who? I heard it. Nero. Nero, yes. And Nero was a let's just play a good cop bad cop. Nero was a good guy, Nero was a bad guy. Like I'm going to turn a big toe down too, right? I mean, we're we, Nero was just, just about as evil a human being as you can get. I mean, I mean really really wicked. There are all sorts of stories told about his vileness and his both from a personal perspective and his, the way in which he governed and the way in which he hated Christianity. Um, so, so have that in the back of your head as we read through this and make sure that we have we literally put Paul in context as we read today's text. So, so that's kind of my two big. Let's make sure we're aware of those things. So let's start with the Romans chapter twelve, verse one, and then we'll read all the way through thirteen seven. <clears throat> If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, and honor to whom honor is owed. I've got to grab my water bottle because you heard me coughing 19 times through that. But here we go. Thank you. I was laughing because I actually got choked up on if a man is thirsty, give him something to drink. He's like, I wonder if anybody's listening. All right, there we go. But it does seem to be talking about your enemies, so hopefully that didn't trigger something in your mind to jump up and go get me a cup of water. So there's that. All right, so let's take a look at some things. Uh, You'll notice, is there a question that says, are there any literary or structural observations on your handout today? Uh, No. You know why? Because we're just kind of still in bullet point mode, right? We're just marching through. Here's these list of things to go and to do. So we're just going to continue with the same type of an approach. Um, so if you got your handout, we'll go start to look at what do the words mean. <clears throat> so let's look at a couple of the words here. So verse 1 there in chapter 13, let every person be subject. Now the word here is hupotasso. Anybody know where else this word shows up? What's that? Hypocrisy? Uh, no, actually. That's a good guess, though. Uh, it might show up there. There you go. That's what I thought you guys would be all over, but it is, it is where the wives be subject to your husband. It's the hupotasso. It's the, to put in order. Um, the, the blank here, though, is present middle imperative. So this is not a suggestion, this is a command. This is, we are being directed to be subject. Um, And if you look at the word, it's actually, it's two Greek words in one, hupo and then "tasso." We'll look at "tasso" here in just a second. Um, But hupo means uh, the under part, is to, to put under. All right, so let every person be subject. Now, if you were writing that, if you got to phrase this, in English, so that it was phrased as a command, is that how you would write it? Because it doesn't feel very commandish to me, right? Because if I want my children to do something, I would not say, let one of you take out the garbage. <laughs> That's fuzzy. What would I say, Julie? <laughs> or Anna Grace? <laughs> No, honestly. Come on. Come on. Come on. Take care of the trash. Right, yeah. Just go do this. Right? And this is not how it is phrased here in English. But this is very much an imperative. Y'all thought I was going to say something crazy, didn't you? That's if they don't do it after I've told them to do it. That's when I say something crazy. All right, so be subject to what? What? And the next two words, the word governing and the word authorities, they have a very broad range of definitions. They can mean a lot of different things. So this word governing is anything that's above or excels or superior or better or higher or supreme. And that word authority is jurisdiction or liberty or power or right or strength. Um, and and you, could, you could almost make an argument that, well, maybe this isn't talking about governments until you continue reading in the paragraph and then it is pretty much only talking about governmental framework here so we it's it's translated very well here the governing authorities for there is no authority same word that was used before there is no authority except from whom god now think about this again paul is writing this and who is the emperor nero Whew. that's hard I mean, this is, a, this is a clear, blatant, direct statement that God is sovereign. And He is the King of all kings, and He is setting up and knocking down as He sees fit. There's no authority except from God. And those that exist, or those that are, have been instituted. Now, this word is tasso. Now, look at the Greek word for subject, which is hupotasso, and the word for instituted is tasso. It just means to arrange in an orderly manner to assign to a certain position, to appoint or determine or ordain. Some of your older translation might say those that have been ordained by God. And it just means I I have put you right where I want you, right there. For many of us, this is a word that would be well used to describe how we have put things in our homes. I want that thing right here because it serves a purpose right here. And I want this thing right here because it serves a purpose right here. And Dave Barber's smiling at me because he and I are of the same ilk here in that things ought to have a place and they ought... uh, I'm, I'm meddling now. All right. But there's an idea that this is where I want that thing. And it's ordained by who? By God. Because if Paul got to pick... I'm betting he's not picking Nero. Right? I don't know of anybody that would have picked Nero. I, I, I doubt the people that were directly serving Nero would pick Nero. When I read the descriptions of Nero, the closest thing that I can come to in today's modern world is Kim Jong-un. And, and if you took a poll and there was no repercussions from Kim Jong-un of his direct reports, they would kick him out. Because they're not sure which one of them is going to be next. So there's just great tear, great fear, great horror in these types of structures. But again, they're ordained, determined, placed where they are by God, which may change the way we talk about things. Just a thought. So verse 2, Therefore, whoever resists, and I love this first definition here, to range oneself against. Um... So you may know what the word range means mathematically. Yeah, max and min, the distance between the top and the bottom. Right. So uh, it's talking about distance. So to distance oneself against, to oppose. So this is the idea of uh, Matt. Can you help me for just a second here? So if I want to, if I want to oppose you. So your, your faith thank you you, you squared up you're, you're a good go your to- toes are pointed at me I have your full attention this is not opposition like yeah I don't like him that's not opposition Th- this is the opposition that we're talking about here <laughs> now is it pretty clear that you have my undivided attention to this right yeah you're a little nervous right here because I've, no, <laughs> I've already i've already i broke the uh the Personal space rule with Zeke a couple weeks ago, and this is as close as we're going, all right? This is just FYI, right? This is, not, this is not Will Smith and Kevin James, you come 90, I go 10. This is as close as we're going, all right? Um, it's a good movie reference, wasn't it? That was, right? That was all right. I'll take it. We're to leave that one in there. Um, directly opposed, right? So whoever is doing this, this is the environment. All right, thank you. This is what we're talking about. So whoever directly opposes the authorities resists what? What God has appointed. Now, this is a very similar word to that word appointed before, but this one also means instrumentality. And if you think about an orchestra, different instruments, then I still haven't figured out why. I don't know why. I haven't heard anybody give me a good logical reason on why the instruments all sit together. I think it's just so they can be pointed at collectively. Um... Anna Grace is about to lose her ever-loving mind here. (laughs) Do you know why they all sit together? No? See? That's what I'm saying. But there's instrumentality. There's a a function to grouping things together in a way that creates an order. Alright, so if you want to resist the authorities, then you're resisting what God has grouped together. And to those who resist, will incur what? Judgment. Now, does anybody's translation have a different word? Damnation. Yes, and you'll notice that that is in the range of definitions for this word. This is crema. We talked about this word back in Romans 2 and 3 when we were slogging through the judgment and the condemnation of God. This is all that package deal with, with those types of ideas. So he's he's reminding the reader that, that there's some connectivity between what has come before in Romans and where we are in Romans 13. Verse 3, for rulers or firsts or chiefs, or princes, or magistrates, whatever you want to, word you want to use, are not a terror, or not a phobos. Uh, this is the alarm or, or frightening to good conduct. Um, and this makes sense to us, right? I mean, if you're, if you're obeying the law, if you've got good conduct, you don't walk around in terror that you're going to have something done wrong to you. In general, this is true. Um, the interstate speed limit is 65, and you're driving down the interstate at 65 in the right-hand lane, which is where you ought to be if you're going only 65. Um, <laughs> Then, then you should feel comfortable if you see a police officer on the side of the road, right? You shouldn't do that whole braking thing, and everybody gets whiplash in the car. And oh my goodness, you know, you're, you're good. I have no fear of a speeding ticket right now if I'm going the speed limit, right? No issue with that. All right. So rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. So let's flip it around. So you're doing 95 going down the interstate, <clears throat> George. And now, George. Used to be able to do this legally, so your life gets to change radically at this point. Um, What's the pray for you? No doubt. What's the fastest you ever transported a prisoner from Chattanooga to Nashville? Uh, I got there about an hour and a half. (laughs) (laughs) That's moving on down the road. And if you did that now, no longer a sheriff's deputy, like that there might be an issue. You may still have some kind of special handshake that you can use. I don't know. But it's probably not going to work anymore. So I'm just telling you, this verse applies here, okay? It ought to be a terror to you. This is that feeling when you are driving. This happens to me all the time, right? You can see where my sins are. Uh, Driving down the interstate, and you see that police officer, and it's that little moment of, oh, okay, all right. So this, if you you want a a mental picture of what this is, would you have uh, no fear of one who's in authority? Right? I mean, there, there's, it is healthy to have some measure of fear of those in authority. This allows society to exist. Right? I mean, this is a good thing. If there was no fear of anybody in authority in any way, shape, or form, ooh, I mean, we, we're talking anarchy at this point. That's, nobody wants to live in an environment like that. Uh, All right, so let's keep going. Then do what is good. Again, this is another imperative, present active imperative. Then do. So this is not a suggestion. This is a directive, a command. Do what is good and you will receive what? His approval, his praise. Yeah. For he is, present tense right now, God's servant. You see that Greek word? Anybody want to take a stab at pronouncing that one? I'll say yes. Yes. The iconos, yeah. It's deacon. That's, your, that's the underline word there. It's he's God's deacon. Now, how many of you have been ordained as deacons in a church at some point in your life? All right. So I got one. Keep your hands up I'm on the count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Did I count myself? I think I did. So we've got 10 guys in here that have been ordained as deacons. And you're deacons for what? For what function? For service. Serving the what? Serving the church. Right. So God has deacons for serving the church. Why don't you think about this? He has deacons for society, too, as a whole that are outside of that church function. Now, they're not um, going to be committed to upholding God's word, right? I mean, in no way, shape, or form could I imagine Paul writing this, thinking, oh, Nero is going to, absolutely, he's going to be a believer now. No, 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 These are, uh, if you look at the first couple of the definitions for this, to run errands, an attendant, a waiter, which I think is the best way to translate the word beacon because this is actually what they were. They were waiters in the first century. So think about this. So the the leadership, the governmental leadership runs errands for God. (laughs) Let's keep everything in its proper perspective, right? There's one king of kings and lord of lords, and there is no other. All right, so but if you do wrong or things that are worthless or depraved, be afraid, fobeo, right? Be alarmed. And this is a command. So if, if you're doing wrong, you better be scared. Because he does not bear, who is he? This is the person that is in authority. Does not bear or, or wear something, the sword in vain or without reason. Like there is a reason he has command of a military structure, and it is to go take care of evildoers. I mean, this is a good thing, right? I have been teaching for 20 some odd years and have never had that happen. A fly just landed on my glasses on the inside. That is really weird. All right. What are the odds of that, right? Okay. Romans. Romans. Like that is a really hard squirrel not to chase. You got to give me that, right? I mean, come on. All right. So he is God's deacon. But if you do wrong, be afraid, because he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is, just in case you didn't hear it the first time, the servant, the deacon of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath. Now, this is a different word than the the wrath earlier, the judgment earlier. This is that wrath that Um, The judgment was the thing decreed as a result of the wrath. So Paul has now circled back and he's used both the words that we just drilled down on in Romans 1, 2, and 3 multiple times uh, here in Romans 13. So he's the avenger of God's wrath. He carries out God's wrath on the what? On the wrongdoer. Now, this is another thing I don't think that um, that I've ever seen before in all my Bible study. This English word, wrongdoer, is combining two different Greek words. This is very unusual in English translations. It's combining a verb and it's combining an adjective. The verb is the doer and the adjective is the wrong, which makes sense. I mean, this is a a great way to translate this. It's wrongdoer, but it's very odd from a translation perspective because we don't typically do this. What we typically get is we typically get multiple English words to describe one Greek word. It goes the other way around. So, just a, a note for those of you that enjoy these things. That's a, a very odd structure in the English. So, verse 5. Therefore, one must be in what? Hupitaso. Right? Must be in subjection. This is, this is very, very clear. Not only to avoid... God's wrath, and that avoid there is the word dia, not only through God's wrath, so not only to avoid going through God's wrath, but also for the sake of, but also going through conscience. Because nobody, I mean, does anybody like to walk around with a guilty conscience all day long? That doesn't make you feel good, right? It's just, you just, something's off. Well, that's right, because God put that there, and he wants you to feel off when something's off. This is a very helpful thing for us to have. Verse 6, for because, so through this, you also, and here's everybody's favorite part, you pay taxes. Amen. Right, yeah. Mitch is like, yes, we need people to pay taxes, right? Um, why, do, why do we need people to pay taxes, Mitch? So you can do tax returns, yes. And you say, bring on complexity, right? Absolutely. Uh, I say, uh, thank God there are people smart enough to figure all that out because it is just spectacularly complicated. So because of this, because of what? Yes? Yes? The void by God's wrath. And because of this subjection that we are under, right? He is reminding us we are under subjection. Because we are under subjection, we do these things. We pay taxes. For the authorities are God's what? Ministers. Now, before you think that's deacon again, it's not deacon again. Look at the word there. Liturgos. What does that sound like when I say it? Liturgy, right? Yeah. And anybody? So those of you that grew up in Baptist churches, you may not know what the word liturgy means. Um, because... We have one, we just don't talk about it and uh, advertise it very much. Uh, liturgy is just an order of doing things. It's a, it's a structure, a framework, a, a way in which things are done. So let's let's talk about our liturgy real quick for our, our Sunday morning service. What do we typically start with? Some song, and then what do we, we have? Somebody that says prayer and, and a welcome, right? And then we do more songs, and then we have another prayer, and then we have a... There's some type of a preaching or greeting time. Uh, and then there's an offering time and an invitation time and a closing prayer and announcements. And that's generally... And we, we might switch one or two things around every once in a while, but that's our liturgy. That's the way in which we do things. So Paul says here, for because of this you also pay taxes for the authorities or God's ministers. And these are the, the people that go carry out the process of doing these things. Does this make sense? Because if we didn't have any ministers, who would be in charge? Darla would, Darla would step up and fill the void, yes. There, there would be some of us that would step up and fill the void because the leadership void is awful and it's uncomfortable and it's horrible. and And until you've experienced a true leadership void... Like, it's it's not okay. And so, Jay, you're shaking your head really wildly here. You have a little bit of experience in the military, right? And a a leadership. There's no leadership. There's there's like 9,000 layers. Yes. Yes, a type A personality will take over. And that is good, right? Because we don't need people with guns wandering around what to do. That is, like, that's not helpful for any of us, right? We need lots and lots of structure in certain places. And God is saying. In this, in society, he needs people that are going to carry things out, attending to uh, this very thing. So, verse seven. Now, now he kind of gets, he backs up, and he gets more generic. Uh, so, pay or fill up uh, to all what is owed uh, to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue. Uh, the idea here is the the limit or the, the finishing of a thing. Uh, to whom revenue is owed. Respect. This is actually the word phobos. It's the word fear. Fear to whom fear is owed. So there's... uh, Somebody mouthed... Was it you? You mouthed uh, respect earlier when we were talking about uh, authorities. Absolutely. There's There's a fear and respect go hand in hand. So fear to whom fear is owed and then honor. And this is the word for money. Money to whom money is owed. So we don't get out of not paying what we owe this is part of what a christian is supposed to do so are there any uh, repeated words in this passage at all the answer is yes there's quite a few of them so fire away stare at the text what are the repeated words wrath and taxes yes i was wondering where taxes would show up servant yes Yes, yes, yes. Very much. God's shows up. This is His design. It is His structure. He has He has designed the structure and He has staffed it with the people that He wants in place. I mean, this this is this to me fundamentally changes the way we talk about and respond to these things. Um, fantastic. God's yes. Authority, right? I think I heard that back in the back somewhere too. Gracie, yes. Excellent. Any other repeated words? There's a few others. Subject, yes. Ode, yes. What would you say, Miss Amy? Resist, yes. Servant, minister, right? That whole concept of going and doing the work. So a lot of things that are repeated here because he's really making this same point over and over. All right, so let's jump to some applications. So what's the point? Uh, Number one, Christians are subjects, right? Does this make sense? Does everybody understand that, that we have a subjection? Who is our first subjection to? God, right? And when we get this out of order, we get all sorts of problems that occur. I am first and foremost not a citizen of America. I am first and foremost a citizen of the kingdom of God. Right? So let's make sure we get our citizenship correct. So Christians are subjects to God first and to several other things later, government included. So what do we do with that? I'd say number one is submit. Right, Christians are commanded to submit. This is, this is our role and our function. Um, and that's not a dirty word. This is a good thing. This keeps order and structure in the world. All right. Number two, Christians doing good have nothing to fear. So what do you think we ought to do with that? Do good. Yeah, this is not overly complex theology today. This is good reminders of doing what we ought to be doing. And then number three, Christians should pay what Christians owe. So what do you think, Jay? we have got two blanks here. Pay up. Yeah. Pay up. If you owe it, pay it. If you need help, see Tim Archer. Actually, see Mitch. Because Mitch does everybody's taxes. He knows who's wealthy. And he can point you in the right direction. So that's the... (laughs) Sorry. There's probably some kind of like attorney-client privilege there that you can't divulge that. There's so. a whole lot. There's a whole lot, yeah. So don't, don't go see Mitch. Don't put that on him. He's a good guy. But do go see him to do your taxes. All right. So on the, um, on the teacher notes online, I have linked to a, uh, a message that John Piper preached on this subject where he really does, I think, a fantastic job of making sure that we keep... Romans 13, 1 through 7, in the lane that it's in. That it doesn't get six lanes over and we just wipe out other lanes of traffic and other schools of thought theologically in the Bible, but that we keep it kind of where it is. You, you, you might hear a lot of what we talked about this morning there, uh, but it's the limits of submission to man. Um, it's a fantastic message on this particular uh, passage. So, that's the Sunday school lesson for today. Hope this was helpful. Uh, Just a good reminder, let's get out there and submit. Let's get out there and do good. Let's get out there and pay up. These are basics of Christianity and kind of Christianity 101. Um, There's nothing really uh, sexy about this, but this is part of what we're supposed to be doing. Uh, Next week... I'm excited. Fulfilling the law through love. We have a special guest speaker. Uh, You'll have to check your weekly update to find out who that is. Uh, But I promise you, you do not want to miss next week. I'm excited about this. So uh, on your tables is the weekly update. Uh, Please make sure you read through those. Uh, Write any new prayer prayer requests down that you have. Uh, Update any old ones. Uh, Make sure your name is at the bottom. That's how we take attendance. And then after you have prayed as a table, you are dismissed. So thanks for coming to Sunday school today, guys. (music)